Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Am I on? Thank you, Kim. Uh, she's helped me today. The title for today is Sardis, the Remnant Revival. Sardis, the Remnant Revival, Revelation 3, 4 to 6. The USA is on a cliff. We're on the edge of a cliff. It's either revival or judgment. No doubt about it. We're there. Will the church in the USA see a revival? That's the only way the country will survive is if the church revives. Will we see it? I believe we will see a revival, but look, it's looking more and more like it will be a remnant revival. A remnant revival, which won't be enough to save the USA today, but will carry true Christians through the coming storms that we're going to be facing. It's similar to Elijah's 7,000. There was a remnant revival, 7,000, that hadn't bowed the knees to Baal. Didn't save Israel, but it did prepare those 7,000 people for the captivity and what they were going to be going through. We're looking at, in the book of Revelation, we're looking at seven letters to seven actual churches, but they also have a lesson for each church today. And we're looking at Sardis. We already started Sardis last time. We saw the good, which was their reputation. The bad is, it was they were dead. Good reputation, but reality is they were a dead, spiritually dead church. And he warned, we saw the warning from Jesus last time to remember, to repent, to return. And uh, will Jesus will Jesus be their judge or savior? And the same thing for us, will he be our savior or our judge when he comes back again? And now we are going to see some encouragement here from Jesus that <clears throat> even in a decaying culture, and an apostate church, even in a decaying culture, spiritually decaying, and an apostate church, Jesus gives an encouragement today here. We're going to see Sardis, the remnant revival. There was still a remnant revival in Sardis. Even though Sardis and the church were dying, there was still a remnant revival. And there is, this is all about the USA today. We can see many, many parallels with the USA today. Let's uh, pray. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit's power to come upon your word now. And we pray for your mercy and grace. And I pray that we would all be revived, whether someone is listening who has never put their faith in you, they're dead spiritually, they would be, be born again. Or if someone, if there the rest of us who have put our faith in you, but we all need reviving continually. Lord, whatever it takes to revive us, we pray your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're at, verse, we're at Revelation 3 and we're in verses 4 to 6, second part of the letter to the church in Sardis. <clears throat> it says here, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his, and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So verse 4, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Yet you have a few people who have not soiled their clothes. 
And this is a picture that Jesus, this is amazing. If you know history and, and the cities and what you see how the Holy Spirit is speaking here and the words of Jesus, this is a picture that the sardines would understand. Now, sardines, but I call them sardines because they're like dead fish spiritually, remember? So this is a picture that the sardines would understand because they were known for their wool industry. Clothes were central to their society. Remember, we talked about dyeing of wool was invented here in Sardis. And this is a complete thing they would understand about not soiling their clothes. Christians would get it too. They would understand this picture perfectly because they were in such a pagan society. It was very loose living. It was almost impossible, not impossible, but almost impossible to live sexually pure. What does that sound like? USA Today, uh, they, and he talked about they hadn't soiled their clothes, and the word there for soil means literally to stain, to defile, to besmear with mud or filth, and that probably was they, it's a picture they get, you know, the wool and the wool clothing and, and all, they get this perfectly, and they also got it because in the pagan temples in Sardis, if they had dirty clothes on, they were not allowed to enter. They were actually barred from entering with dirty clothes. Same thing spiritually for us. God's temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not at your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't go into the pagan temples with dirty clothes. Listen, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and whatever, whatever we bring in contaminates. And sexual sin here is a sexual sin is very, very serious. It's a powerful drive. Nothing more powerful than the sexual drive why is it so strong? Because God gave it to a husband and wife to bond them together, to make them one. Not Velcroed together, but super glued together to make them actually one flesh that could not break apart. It was a powerful bond between a husband and wife. And yet, if it's because it's so powerful, it, if it's misused, it becomes a terrible thing. Think of nuclear energy. It, it's a wonderful uh, energy, but yet if you make it into a bomb, it, it wipes everybody out. And that's the sexual drive is a, a, can be a very positive thing, is a very positive thing. It is good. God created it for a husband and wife to make them one. And yet, if it's misused, it can do the most damage. And that's why the sexual revolution and, and, and evolution has, has caused such widespread damage and, and horrible, horrible consequences is because it's been misused. Satan's take, taken God's powerful sexual love between a husband and wife and, and, and wreak havoc with it. So that's, that is, the, once again, the temple and the clothing. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We better not be coming in with dirty clothes and anything that would, would bring filth into it, right? So Christians got this picture that though yet a few people haven't soiled their clothes. Soiled their clothes. Pagan city um, talked about that. Pagan temples talked about that. Sardis. Sardis had a large 
large Jewish and Christian community. We know that. It had a large archaeology has uncovered a shopping mall in Sardis. There was a shopping mall there. And there were many shops that were owned by Christians and Jews. The stores were Jewish or Christian stores. They must have prospered here and been wealthy to, to have these stores in this mall. It, the Jews and the Christians were on the rotary. Uh, they were business leaders. They had a good reputation. That, that, that's what the Christians and Jews had here. Now, <clears throat> Sardis also had a gymnasium. If you look uh, here, there's a picture of the gymnasium, what's left of it, a large gymnasium. Because like the, like the USA today, they were really big into the bodies. You know, they're big into bodies. The Greeks were into the, 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 the human body and the humans were the center of the universe versus the one true God. And they're really big into the, the being in shape and, and they really worship the body. That's what they did. And in the, in this gymnasium, there was a statue of the emperor. You know, just like we have the Rocky statue in Philadelphia. Rocky, Rocky. Well, they had this emperor statue here. And the gym, the reason was is there was emperor worship. And the gym was used, the gym was used to pass on a religious world view. A religious world view. And, and they actually had to offer a sacrifice to the emperor. The statue stacked at offer a sacrifice to the emperor there. And it was, it was used to pass on this religious world view. Sounds a lot like the USA today, doesn't it? A lot like the USA today, uh, where we, we have the gyms and the bodies are worshipped, right? It's a religion for many people. Whoa, you go over to the gym over here, and there's more people at that gym than you'll see on a Sunday morning at the church right next to it. It's crazy, the people worshipping the bodies. And, and then you go on to ESPN and you see them pushing a worldview, an antichrist worldview many times. They have a worldview they're trying to push at ESPN, all right? And and, and so the, the, you see this gym here. In the corner of the gym, though, where they have this statue of, of the, the emperor and they have this whole thing going on, in the corner of the gym, there was a huge synagogue. A huge synagogue was actually built in the corner of the gym. In fact, here's a picture. Picture. Thank you, Chicky. Uh, there's a picture. It's the largest synagogue ever found from this time period. It could hold a thousand people. That is a big synagogue. Many, many Jewish people lived here in Sardis. And it was very convenient because you could go right from the gym to the synagogue or right from the synagogue right into the gym. It was very convenient. It was actually connected. It was all connected. Uh, and it was nice until you realize what else was going on in that gym. The gym, in the gym, people worked out nude. <laughs> <laughs> That's no clothes. All right, they didn't wear any clothes, so they come out of the synagogue. There's naked people everywhere, and and in the bathhouse and in the pools, everybody hang out after they worked out in the bathhouse and the pools. These were cesspools of immorality. Imagine what was probably going on there. The cesspools of immorality. Uh, the phone's ringing. Just one sec. Forgot to unplug it. Okay, so uh, it was it was just a cesspool of immorality, and it and it was shocking that they would put the synagogue right there in the middle of this. Right, shocking. But guess where they found the Christian church? The Christian church was even worse. There was a temple to Artemis. Artemis here, the pagan temple. Here's a picture. That's what their famous their famous temple there, and the Greeks uh, built this temple to. 
Artemis, okay? They built the temple to Artemis, and this temple was known for sexual rituals and temple prostitutes. That's what this temple was best known for, the sexual rituals and the temple prostitute. It was um, strip joint, you know? It was, it was kinky. But they found this temple, and you see the picture there, but also in the, in the corner of the temple... They also found the church <laughs> was built into the back of the temple. You actually had to walk through this pagan temple to get into the Christian church. And you, you, I already showed the one. You see the Christian church there? It was, it was, you would go in and out of the temple to go in and out of church. Imagine New Hope Community Church hold it, building our temple at the back of a bar. And, and you know, New Hope's got lots of bars. Can you imagine building a, or even better, one of the gay bars. We built the temple so you had to walk in and out of the gay bar in order to get into the church, our church. Can you imagine us doing this? Well, that would make for some interesting evangelism. If we did it for evangelistic purposes, that'd be one thing. But can you imagine them doing that at this temple where there's these prostitutes and, and crazy stuff going on? Now you know why Jesus had nothing positive to say about the church in, in Sardis. He had nothing positive to say about the sardines. This is crazy, right? Why would they do Why would the Jews do that? Why would the Christians do that? That is crazy. But how often do we do the same thing? We, we, how often do we stroll through internet filth on Saturday night and then go into church on Sunday? How often do we, we scroll through the TV channels on a Saturday night and all the filth there and then go right into church? Or, or and, 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 and don't forget that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Forget the, the TV or forget the, the computer and going to church. Even if it's not Saturday night, any time that we're looking at that felt, it's like what they were doing in Sardis. The sardines were doing in Sardis. And our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is making a point here <coughs> Excuse me, about the soiled clothing. Reminds me of something that happened... Uh, when I was, we were kids, we had a, a, a family lived down the road. Their, uh, I'll use their names. I'll probably even send this to them so you get here. Their names were the Coger family. And they were crazy. They had 11 children. Can you imagine anybody being crazy enough to have 11 children? Now I have 13, right? Alright, so they had 11 kids and they would often, uh, we would invite them, we were good friends, and we'd invite them to come to Sunday school. At that time, they weren't going to church. Later on, the whole family went to church. They were real strong Christians. A lot of them really strong Christians today. Uh, and so I've been kind of in touch with some of them on Facebook and been and so encouraged by seeing the, the spiritual growth and so many. But at this time, they weren't going to church. And so we would invite them to come to Sunday school with us. And so they would come on down. Several of them would come down on a Sunday morning and, and be waiting around for when it was time to go to Sunday school. They would come early because we play and hang out and but if we had to do chores some of us had to do chores in the morning we would go out and work in the barn and then we'd go in and get our shower and then we'd get in the car and we'd all go to church but they would come down and i remember my, my one friend gary uh he was the same age he'd come and he'd want to help me with chores and i'm like well i don't know you get your sunny clothes on but he didn't care he helped me with chores and he even walked through the barnyard <laughs> he walked through the barnyard and then he'd go from the barnyard into the car to church and the study's going he'd have manure on his shoes and, and that, I you could smell it in the, in the side school class. And 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 I remember like I hope the teacher doesn't think it's me, it's Gary. <laughs> and one time Gary went to church without 
a shoe. He only went with one shoe. Why? Because he was walking through the barnyard. He got stuck in the hole. <laughs> he lost the shoe. I just Facebooked with him the other day about we were laughing about it. He lost the shoe. So he comes out of the barnyard with one shoe. We couldn't find it. It was one of the holes, you know, in the barnyard. And he went to church with one shoe on. All right. So can, can you imagine? This is what, you know, but, but how, you know, you say, oh, how would we, how could we do that? Go to church with manure on our shoes. Well, hey, how often do we look at the crap on our phone or the TV or think thoughts or, you know, we're surrounded by this garbage, right? How often do we do that? And then we, we, we're bringing that into the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're doing the same thing, aren't we? And, but Jesus says, yet a few of you have not soiled your clothing. Are we one of them? Are we, are we one of them that haven't soiled? Will we, will we walk? Will we walk with Jesus in white? Are we worthy of that? It, the, what Jesus says, verse 4, I'm going to read it to you again. Because I'm going to bring it home to something here. Revelation 3, 4. Yet a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes, <coughs> they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Jesus says some will walk with me dressed in white because they are found worthy. The Roman triumph which would happen in all the different Roman cities. The Roman triumph, especially in Rome, but they also would have them even in, 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 in uh, the different cities. They'd have some kind of a parade. They'd have a parade, but in Rome itself, they had a victorious, and everybody knew about this. It was a big deal. They'd have a parade for a victorious Roman general. They had parades in all the different towns, but in Rome, they had a big, big parade for a victorious Roman general. Think of a ticker tape parade in New York City. Or the Yankees winning the World Series and, and uh, it hasn't happened in a while. But a parade. Uh, so the, 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 uh, the true Roman citizens, the true Roman citizens got to wear white togas. Everybody else couldn't wear the white. They could wear a white toga. And the general's clothes, this way he's talking about those, the white clothing, right? And the general's closest friends got to walk with him in the triumphal parade. They got to walk with him. We will get to wear the white. We will get to walk with Jesus. We will get to share his victory someday if we don't soil our clothing. And this is what he's trying to say here. Verse 5, then he goes on to say, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says the overcomers, to, to him who overcomes. That's as he's focusing on the overcomer. Notice he didn't say the perfect. He didn't say the one who's perfect. No, no. He says the one who overcomes. He doesn't say perfect. doesn't say we won't have any struggles, but the one who overcomes. Spiritual life is a daily battle. We have to overcome. doesn't say we're perfect, but we're being perfected. And, and it's, we're, we're overcoming. We're, life is a spiritual battle. He says we'll be dressed in white. At salvation, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I believe he died on that cross in my place. And I repent of that sin. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus Christ. The moment you do that, you have become born again. You have been, the Bible calls it saved, salvation. And at that very moment, you are dressed in white because you have put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're no longer trying to be good enough on your own. You have put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are positionally clean. You are positionally you have salvation. You're positionally clean. But practically, we must be 
purified on a daily basis. Positionally, we're in Christ. We're, he, God only sees Jesus. He sees the white clothing on us. But practically, it's a daily battle. We have to be purified daily. That's called sanctification. Salvation is immediate, but sanctification positionally is immediate, but it's practically a daily battle that lasts our entire life. We have to constantly be cleansed, clean the clothes. We have to constantly be clean. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. There has to be a daily confession and purifying that has to happen. As we daily struggle, as we daily struggle and we surrender to God, we confess that God keeps forgiving us in Jesus Christ. He keeps cleansing us in Jesus Christ. And he says, we'll be dressed in white. And he says, I will never blot out your name from the book of life. I will never blot out. In the Greek, it's a double negative for an emphasis. It says, I will not, no way, no how. He just like double, no way, no how, no. It's not going to happen. He's a double negative. And who, who won't be blotted out? Those who overcome. I'm going to read it. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. It will, the, the one who overcomes, the one who overcomes will never be blotted out. If we go back to 1 John, 1 John 1, 9, and then a little further after that, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Then the end of the book, chapter 5, listen to what he says here about the over comer, the overcomer. And this is the one who's not going to be blotted out. This is the one who's going to get to wear white. This is the one that Jesus is going to brag about in front of his father. He says, everyone, First John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. Now, here we go. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay. Uh, so, Kim, just give me the battery update. So, who is the one who overcomes? The, the overcomer, the one who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, is born of God, and out of love for God, lives the life of the overcomer. When we are born spiritually, our name is written in the book of life. Revelation 20, verse 12. Revelation 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Verse 15, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Woo! When we're born spiritually, our name is written in the book of life. And he talks about not blotting our name out. And, and, and Jesus talked about that, not blotting our name out. Um, I'm going to read it again. Uh, Revelation 3, in Revelation 3, verse 5, He who overcomes will be dressed in white. I will never blot his name out from the book of life. The overcomer will, won't have our name blotted out when we're spiritually 
born. Our name is written in the book of life. And they get this. They get this in Sardis because when they were born, their name was written in, in, in a special scroll, which was a citizenship roll. And that they that's how they were knew they were Roman citizens. They were citizens of Sardis. But if they committed a crime in Sardis, their name was blotted out. And that's why Jesus is using this picture. They all got it. Their name was blotted out if they committed a crime. Or if they died, their name was also blotted out. But Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Revelation 3 says, Nothing can blot our name out. Nothing. Not even death can blot our name out. If we've truly put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we're truly born of God, we will overcome and we, our name won't be blotted out. And this is not an encouragement to laziness. This is an encouragement to perseverance. Jesus says, if we do that, I, he says back in Revelation 3, I will acknowledge his name before my Father and the angels in heaven. Uh, the citizenship rolls. If someone did something incredible in Sardis, they would circle their name in gold. Think about the gold star on the forehead when you're a kid, right? They would circle their name in gold. And, and also, there would be a, a parade, a triumph, and they would end with a, bo- a banquet, and the general would have the soldiers stand there and brag about the person's deeds before the emperor or the court or wherever, whatever province they were in. They would do that for the person who, who would be acknowledged. And Jesus is saying, that's what's going to happen for you. Jesus will someday, hopefully, we will stand before Jesus and he will brag about us to the Father and to the angels. He's going to have that same picture here. What will Jesus say about us? What will he say about us someday? Will he say, this one barely made it? Or this one overcame incredible odds? This one barely made it, got in by the skin of his teeth? Or this one overcame incredible odds? Odds. God doesn't care about what we accomplish, but what we overcome and who we become. This is what he's tr- stressing here. He, he doesn't care about what we accomplish, but what we overcome and who we become in Jesus Christ. That's what he's focused on. You might be listening to this today with a lot to overcome. Maybe a temptation. Something happened to you as a kid that made you vulnerable, that, that has made, put you in a terrible battle, or something that you opened the door to that you shouldn't have opened the door to. Maybe it's sexual temptation. Very, very common. We talked about how powerful it is. But will you commit to overcoming it? Overcoming it. Getting the help. Getting the accountability. Whatever it takes. Get your healing. Whatever your sexual struggle is, you can get your healing. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. That's what some of you were. It could be what you were there. Maybe you have to overcome peer pressure. Maybe at school, you're the only Christian or on your team or at your workplace or with your family, you've had to overcome a lot. Maybe life's pressures with your job or your health challenges or your finances. That's what you have to overcome. Maybe it's the culture you live in. I know we live in Newham. Or the country we live in, we're bombarded on a da- by the world on a daily basis. Are we staying true as a church? Are we staying true to God's word? It gets lonely sometimes, doesn't it? No matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening in this world, however bad it gets, we can overcome and become who God has called us to be in Jesus Christ. We can do that. Are you doing that? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe the starting point is becoming a Christian. Maybe the starting point is overcoming sin and and getting your name written in the book of life. 
and to be born of God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, in His death, His resurrection. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You could put your faith in Jesus right now. The simple prayer of faith, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sin. I put my faith in Him. I want to have my name written in the book of life. I don't want the sin in the garbage. I don't want soiled clothes. I don't want to live in the filth anymore. I repent of that. I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, to wash me clean, to give me that brand new life you promised. I pray for that. And as Christians, how do we need to pray? Maybe we're, we know we're a Christian, but our clothing has been soiled. We have not been keeping clean. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. May we need to go to God and say, God, I need your mercy and grace every day, every hour, every minute. I need to get help. Maybe there's some, some accountability in the healing. Maybe a Christian counselor talk to a pastor, another Christian brother or sister, in the, somebody in the body of Christ. What do I need to overcome to become what you're calling me to be? Whatever it takes, I'll commit to doing that. And maybe as, as a church, whatever church you're part of, we're part of New Hope Community Church, but maybe our prayer as a church <clears throat> is will we be part of the revival? Whether it's a world revi- worldwide revival, whether it's a USA revival, or whether it's a remnant revival like we, saw in, like we see in Sardis, will we be part of that revival? Father, I pray that everyone listening to this would be part of the revival, whether it's remnant or whether it's something bigger. I pray that we would be part of the revival. We, we, we would be ready. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wait, wait.